All right, good morning. We'll have a, a skeleton crew this morning. Um, Keith's starting a, <laughs> a new series, 12 Extraordinary Women, Wednesday night, because <laughs> I ain't going to be here. Wednesday, uh, finished up 12 Ordinary Men for our Wednesday night's uh, Bible study. I, I don't know about y'all, it was pretty good. I mean, to really break down the... The Twelve Apostles, that was that was really good. So now we're going to look at the Twelve Extraordinary Women. It is not by Beth Moore, so y'all are all welcome to come, Rita. Be a part of it, smart aleck. Um, it was good, good study. I'm looking forward to, to this one. Um, Marie goes in Thursday morning, 6 o'clock, to be induced, so uh, I will not be here Wednesday night, um, and I will not be here next Sunday. Uh, Bobby Hicks will be here to fill in Sunday for me. Uh, appreciate everybody that, everybody that can be here and uh, support him as well. Y'all love him to death. You'll love his little family. They're all redheaded. How old are they? 16, 14, and 1. So, yep. It's in, it's in the river. We live on the same road, so what, it must be in the water. Spread out like that. Um, tomorrow night is the, uh, the fall gathering. It'll be the 110th annual session for the Avery Baptist Association. Uh, Jerry said he's going. Conley's going to go. I'll be there. Uh, so we'll be, we're the delegates, so we'll be there to represent Chestnut Dale and get to see what all is going on and what uh, Brother Bob's got in store for the association in the next year. So, you know anything? He said that the whole, the shindig last Sunday went well. I thought you went, you slacker. Deanna went. You took <laughs> All right, well, he said it went well. If you got your Bible, turn over, or turn over to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, we're going we're gonna to look at a, a parable that we don't talk about very often. Um, it's, it's a good one, it's a neat one, and it's, it's, I think it'll help. It's about looking at end results, and that's one of the things that we tend not to, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a long-range thinker. That's, that's the way I've always been. I don't think in the moment a lot of times. I think of down the road, what's, what, what's going to be the repercussions, what's going to happen if we do this this what's going to happen down the road and so that's what this parable we're getting ready to look at it's about the steward uh, that's what he's doing he's looking down the road he's looking he's looking into the future but he's also trying to take care of himself at the same time which is something that we got to do as well but uh, i'll read you this it kind of goes along with it there's a man who was he was in trouble with his boss and he had helped himself to the employer to his employer funds uh, one time too many, and now he's facing the music. In fact, he had been told to clean out his desk. He was given a few days to clear up his accounts, but he knew that after that he was finished. The man was humiliated. He knew that at his age he would not be able to find any other job, especially at the pay scale of his old job. He probably could keep going for a while on unemployment, but what about after that ran out? He was facing financial disaster. He says, then the idea hit him. He had here. He was in charge of collecting debts owed to his employer. He decided that he would call each of them and offer them a deal. He told them that he would be leaving his present position to search out new opportunities. And in order to keep their goodwill, he was offering them a deal that they could not refuse. If they paid their bills immediately, they could settle for 60 cents on the dollar. Of course, he assured them that he had authorized, been authorized by his employer to do this, uh, to make this offer, and he hoped that they would remember this act of goodwill when it came to their uh, their company, when he came to their their company to submit a resume. 
He used his boss's money to buy the goodwill of his possible future employees. So what that is, and I don't know who wrote that, but that was that's a modern spin on what we're getting ready to read. So it makes it make a little bit more sense what we're getting ready to read. He thought of himself first. What 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 is going to happen to me? He messed up for over the years. He had been dipping into uh, the the company money and, and and drawing money out himself. He's busted, and now he's getting ready to lose his job. What is going to happen to him? That's all he could think about is what is going to happen to him. Uh, my Bible says, and y'all might say it too, but mine causes the parable of the unjust steward. The parable of the unjust steward. I, I don't know what you call this. I would call this the parable of the clever steward. Because you got to think about it. That's pretty smart. What he did was pretty smart. But we're going to talk about how the master looks at it compared to how Jesus looks at it. Because there's two different points of view here that we're going to look at. How the master looked at it and how Jesus looks at it. And which one we need to, be, we need to consider when we look at it. Now, it's really, really obvious when we read this here in just a second that Jesus is not commending this man for being underhanded. Jesus does not believe in being dishonest. So he's not commending him for what he did. By no means would Jesus ever commend that and do that. But this guy is an example to us uh, in, in that he saw clearly what the issues were. He knew where he had messed up, and he knew what was in, the, what was in his future, and he also knew how to fix it. That's what we need to pick up on, is we need to be able to see how things affect us in the future and how we can fix it so that it doesn't become a bigger mess. He cared about outcome and he did something about it and we that's that's our goal i believe as um as a church as christians is we we need to know what the end result is going to be and we need to be able to fix the outcome for ourselves and for others and when i say the outcome which would be death we know what the outcome for each one of us is going to be it's inevitable there there is a 100 percent mortality rate for every one of us whether you want to talk about it or not we're going to go at some point so we know what the end result is could be heaven or hell. So we need to be able to fix the end result for ourselves and for those that are lost. It is our responsibility. Once we're saved, once we have accepted Jesus, it is our responsibility to become those disciples and to reach out to this lost world that we're living in, to make disciples, to help spread the gospel. That's what he wants, what Jesus wants from us. Spread the gospel, get the word out, tell the world about me and about my saving grace and about heaven and all the great things that are going to come from it. That's what he wants us to do. So we can help the end result. We know what the future will be, heaven or hell. So we can help fix those that are going to hell. We can, through testimony, whatever we're doing, we can help the end result that person. If you've got your Bibles open to Luke 16, stand with me just a moment. Luke 16, starting verse 1. Bible says, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. I beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me 
into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said unto another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write forty score or four score. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely for the children of this world are in the, their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness that when you fail, they may receive, unto, receive, receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in the, that which is least is faithful also is much in much and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust true riches and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's who shall give you that which is your own no servant can serve two masters for there for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning... We just want to thank you again for this week that you've given us. God, we want to thank you for the Scripture. Thank you for the Word. Uh, thank you for the guidance that we're going to find through uh, what has been pinned down here. God, we just thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for these parables that He's given us. Lord, that we may uh, better ourselves as Christians. We can uh, lift up the kingdom. Lord, we can go about uh, your business here on earth uh, with these parables in mind. And, and Lord, I pray that it would make us stronger and better uh, faithful workers for you and lord we just pray for those this morning that are are sick lord those that are shut in we've got so many that are are battling this covid we've got so many that are battling other diseases right now father i pray that you would uh, just continue to work in this this entire world right now this this earth god i pray that you would uh reveal yourself show yourself to those that are are um, in charge of 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 this vaccine and getting things re uh squared away for us where we can become a healthier, uh, stronger country again and a stronger world as well. But, Lord, it's going to be only you that can do it. And I pray, God, that they would turn to you and seek your face to, to work this thing out. And, Lord, we pray that you would continue to, to be with those that are, are bereaved. Lord, as uh, we had an 11-year-old killed back home this week on a four-wheeler, Father, I pray that you would be with that family and continue to comfort them and, and just, uh, Lord, just keep them close in your bosom this week, Lord, as they... Uh, go through the funeral service there at Alliance, and I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, give them healing, give them comfort in this uh, tragic loss. But Lord, we thank you for this week. I pray, Lord, you continue to be with us. Lead us, guide us, direct us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. All right, in the first part of verse 8, Jesus gives us the conclusion of the parable. So we're halfway through reading it, and Jesus gives us the conclusion. Now, he says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward. The Lord, the master. He commended the unjust steward. And it just you read that, and if you don't read it in the right text, when you read the word Lord, you're saying Jesus. It wasn't Jesus. It was the master. 
that commanded the unjust steward right here. The disciples, they're probably waiting to hear how that crooked steward got what was coming from. That's what I, when I would sit down and listen to that story like that, I'd be eager to know what happened because it was clever. It was, it was smart the way that he did it. So I would be curious what took place. Then I'm pretty sure they were surprised when Jesus popped up and he says, and the Lord commanded the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Now notice that it's the master, not Jesus. It is the master, not Jesus, that commended him right here for his, the man's shrewdness, honestly. He commended him for it. The master in the story does not say that he's pleased by the steward's actions, but impressed. I would never tell somebody, you know, that's, that's a genius idea. Good job. You're still fired. But he said, that's smart. And I can't imagine that conversation, how that would end, but it may have been, that's smart. You're still fired. Good luck trying to find another job because I'm going to tell everybody I've come in contact with what you did. Oh, by the way, all these accounts that you've been dealing with, we're going to notify their owners or whoever it is and let them know what you're doing. But that's not how this story ended right here. I remember, I've heard, I've heard of how businesses, travel agencies, things like that over the years, how they'll move around and the employees will get disgruntled and they will take their accounts, they will contact their, uh, the people that they're working with and get all their contact information and say, hey, I'm leaving, would you like to come with me? And so when they leave that agency or wherever, whoever it is, they will take their accounts with them and they're able to continue their business like it never even happened, like they never left. It's kind of what's going on here. He's trying to, he's trying to make uh, friends so that he can get a job when it's over with. Now, in the second half of the verse 8 here, Jesus now applies the values found in this parable. So the first thing we're going to look at is we're called to use opportunities wisely. We have got to use opportunities that are before us. We have to use them wisely. Look at uh, verse 8 there at the, at the very bottom again. It says, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of Lot. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. The idea that Christians are to be shrewd is kind of unnerving, I guess, if you think of it that way. So, but I want to tell you what shrewd means. Right, now shrewd, the, the definition for shrewd is this. Having or showing sharp powers of judgment. That's what shrewd means. Having or showing sharp powers powers of judgment so they're pretty sharp people they're smart they they can see opportunities they can see where they might be able to make a dollar or how to cover up something they, they can see that power when we think about shrewd individuals who are the first people we think about car dealers are one how about lawyers how about how about lawyers jerry <laughs> You don't get more shrewd than that. Travis is here. I was going to throw insurance in there, too. <laughs> but lawyers, they're some of the most shrewd people that you will ever, ever run across. They know loopholes. They know just how to push the boundaries right to the very edge without making it illegal. That's, that's how they do it. They, they keep it right in the realms of what's legal. They're not concerned about what's moral. 
They're not concerned about what's true justice. They just know how to, to find that loophole and spin it for their client and make it look good on them. They don't, not, not always. Now, we might even think about a, a, a businessman who knows how to exploit his competitor's weakness. They can see where there's a, there's a weakness in there, and so they, they'll, get a, they'll get a toehold in it. And they'll, they'll grow their business because of somebody else's weakness, another business weakness. Or, or it could be somebody like the customer. The customer may be ignorant, not know what's going on. And so that businessman will take advantage of the person's ignorance. Good businessmen, they see the possibilities and they seize opportunities in this, the world around them. It might cost them now, but the return in the future is great. And so they're going to take advantage of that. William Barclay, now I'm not a William Barclay fan, I never have been, I don't believe in his, his theo- uh, theology, I don't believe in his doctrine, but he said something, this, this guy, he's been dead for years, but he said something, he's of Church of Scotland, he said, if only the Christian was as eager and ingenious in his attempt to attain goodness as the man of the world is in his attempt to attain money and comfort, he would be a much better man. So if we strived as Christians to present the gospel, if we tried or strived as much as a businessman does to make money, if we strive that hard to get people to church and to see people come to Jesus, this would be a better world, wouldn't it? I, I, and I know I refer to these guys every now and then, but like the, the Duck Dynasty people, Christians, you see it, you watch them on TV, you know how they live, and they're open about their faith. Now, it's not the same type of denomination us they believe in in works and and they believe in repentance and that if if they don't repent before they die they could go to hell if they didn't ask for forgiveness for whatever sin they committed that day and we know that that's not true i mean if you're saved you're saved that's just the way that works but anyway if we could live a life like those guys do where we go and we're just happy-go-lucky and we're always telling people about jesus the world would be a better place but for some reason, we tend to struggle with that. And I don't want y'all to miss the significance right here in part, uh, uh, this, one, this last little part here in verse 9. It says, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now listen to that. Now this is not referring right here. It, it's not referring to debt. It's referring to death. Debt. Nope. Death. Yes. 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Great words from Paul right there. I've got a picture somewhere at my office. I love it. It's a hearse with a U-Haul trailer behind it. And all it says is, says, <laughs> the old saying, you can't take it with you when you go. That's what that means. You can't. You can't take it with you. Paul says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We brought squat. When little Clayton gets here this week, guess what? He ain't bringing nothing with him. He ain't bringing nothing with him. When he comes rolling out of there, he ain't going to have a a fistful of money or gold bars or anything like that. It will be nothing. He's going to come in here naked, and that's about it. We'd leave this world. Guess what? When we leave this world, we're leaving the same way we came in, with nothing. Bluegrass Song of the Year, Richest Man in the Graveyard. Balsam Range, just this week, they just give him the award for it. Richest man in the graveyard. Think about it. 
He took nothing with him. We take nothing with us. Not a thing. We come in as sinners, we go out as sinners. The only difference in between the two is at some point we have an opportunity to be saved. We come in with nothing. For we brought nothing to this world, and it is certain we can Shrewdness about money, it's going to us to realize this. Money, it can be powerful, but I need you to remember this. Money is limitless, or limited, I'm sorry, and temporary. Money is limited and temporary. You will run out. You will run out. Every one of us has run out a time or two, I know. You run out. As you feel powerful, don't you? I think about, where's... Cindy, when she got her first check, wasn't that good? Well, she was just cloud nine, wasn't she? Abby, I know she was too. She got a check. Oh, she's so excited she got a check. Did she frame it? No, she blew it on, what, ten pairs of shoes, I think. <laughs> or nine, I don't know. But we find out really quick as we get older that it, it's, only, it's temporary, it's limited. We, we have limited funds. Have it saved up, but it will run out eventually. And, and again, we can't take it with us when we go. The only wealth that will stand is what has been invested in others for the sake of Jesus and the gospel. That's the wealth we need to be concerned about. Not financial, not what's in our wallet. That don't, that don't matter. No, we don't, nobody cares about that, really. We shouldn't. What we need to care about is the, the wealth that we're building up in heaven right now, those, those rewards that we're storing up in heaven right now by whatever we're doing. When we go out and we're, we're witnessing to others, when we're talking to others about Jesus and we're seeing uh, fruit of our labor, when we see those people coming to know Jesus and being saved, and we're going out and we're helping others because you know, we're all about uh, faith after, or works after faith, works after salvation, we've got to be working it. After we're saved, we've got to be working it. We're building up those rewards that he has given us when we get there that we're going to get back in return. That's the reward that matters. That's what we need to be focused on is what rewards we're storing up right now, not what's in our pocket or in our bank accounts right now. It's nice to have some. It really is. It's nice to have a dollar here or there. It doesn't matter. It's what we've done for, for Jesus. He's called us to be fishers of men, and we have to take every opportunity to invest in these heavenly riches. I'm all about some heavenly riches. They won't be enough. They won't be enough. I can't do enough to give my riches back to Jesus for what he's done for me. I, if I could write him a check for all the money in the world, it still wouldn't be enough for what he's done for me. And he did it and didn't charge it. Not a dime. He doesn't want anything back from us. He, 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 we don't have to pay him for anything. He said, just go be a disciple. Go make disciples. Take my gospel. Go out into the world. He says, go you therefore to all nations, the uttermost parts of the world. He said, just take the gospel and make sure everybody knows about me. That's all he wants us to do. And he will bless us and he will reward us for that. He just keeps giving. Jesus he keeps giving and I mean dying on the cross for us, and then we go and we do all that we can. We're His hands and feet here on earth, and we go and we do and we go and we do and we go and, do, and then He just blesses and blesses, and we're building up these rewards. We get to heaven, we're going to push them over at His feet, and you're going to sit there and think it still ain't enough for what He's done for me. Still ain't enough. Second thing, we're to serve God wholly. 
Verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now the point is that we have to keep our priorities straight. We've got to know who is who, what is what. We need priorities. Priorities is a hard thing to learn, ain't it? Getting the older you get and you got all these irons in the fire, you gotta figure out what's first. God. You may hold three or four different jobs and have a big old family and, and do all these other things in this world, but you gotta know what your priorities are. And buddies, when your priorities are out of line, which means you're out of God's will, you'll get told really fast. You'll you'll really know it. God'll show it to you. You're not where you need to be. When you I mean I'm a prime example of that. Maria will tell you that. When you, you get too many irons in the fire and your priorities get mixed up, you got to be cautious. Remember who God is. Remember what mammon is. Keeping priorities straight. Wealth is to be used, not served. The truth about money is that we can either be stewards of it or we can be servants of it. Stewards of it or servants. What are you? I don't know what you are. That's between you and God. You're either a steward or a servant. As followers of Jesus, though, we are called to yield ourselves totally to the service of God. That is it. Yield to the service of God. We, he has given us more than we could ever imagine. Here on earth, we are to give back, and we can give back in so many different ways. We can give back with talents. You can give back financially, which is he's asked us to. If we can tithe it, tithe it. If we can give it, give it. Give it back to the church in his name. But there's so much that we can do to give back to him. We, but we are to totally yield ourselves to the service of God. There is. There's no part-time Christianity. We're not just Christians on Sunday. We're not just Christians on Wednesday night. We're not just Christians when we come in here for Bible school. That's not what we're called to. We are full-time Christians. We don't take a break. You can't take your Christian hat off. Once you get saved, once you're saved and you've been baptized and you're active in the church, you don't just take a break. God don't take a break. We don't take a break. There's no part-time position in God's kingdom. We're full-time servants of Jesus Christ. Full-time, 24-7. Eat, breathe, sleep it. And we go out. Tell others about him. That's all he's asked us to do. So Jesus here, he's been talking to the disciples, but the Pharisees, they've been listening. Them old Pharisees. He'd already been talking to them earlier, and now they're eavesdropping in on this whole conversation. And, of course, their response is anything but spiritual whenever they open their mouth. Look at verse 14 one more time. It says, And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things, and they derided on him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Now these men of God, I'll do air quotes because they were the furthest thing from it. These men of God right here, they were, they were greedy money lovers. That's, that's all they wanted. They wanted as much money as possible. They had ways, I mean that parable is a lot, 
uh, like them, where they, they had ways to, to bring money in on the side, skim off the top, if you, if you will. They had these ways of bringing this money in. And to make matters worse, they justified their hypocrisy with Scripture. Have you ever met people like that? People will say, I do it this way because the Bible said I could. It's those people that take it and they manipulate the Scripture to fit their life instead of their life to fit the Scripture. That's what they're doing. They are justifying themselves for what they're doing because they think that's what the Bible says. They've misinterpreted it. So many people are doing that right now. There are so many people in this world that have taken the Bible and manipulated it to fit into their lives instead of their lives to fit the Bible. They flip it around, and they've made a mess out of it. And then there's, and I won't get off on versions of Bible or nothing like that, but there's so many versions of Bible that have been reworded just so that it will fit and make people think that they're doing the right thing. There are a lot of TV prosperity preachers out there. They're all about it. They will they'll flip verses around and, and make it, Make it fit their life. Get that jet. Get that new mansion. Get that new Rolls Royce. Get whatever it is because the Bible said I should have it. They, they have messed that up. They missed the mark greatly right there. They bent God's word to support their lifestyle. Now, I, I may have mentioned this a couple months ago or a month ago. It may have been on Wednesday night, actually, when I talked about this. This is one thing that has really been driving me up the wall. It's how this world, I'll just say America, not so much the world, but America, how they're taking the Bible and they're trying to tell us that things are on right now are biblical and it's okay to do it. This one thing that came up that has absolutely just rubbed me the wrong way was when, I believe this was on Wednesday night, where they're saying that Jesus has okayed homosexuality because he told Lazarus to come out. Have y'all heard that yet? That's the new agenda for the LBGTQRSTPQ, whatever. They're saying that it's okay because Jesus told Lazarus, come out. Mm-mm, I got chills right there. That just made me mad. That is so wrong. Those folks are going to split hell wide open for that one. That is so wrong. You cannot. You cannot take Jesus' words and turn it around for him to... he just compromise. He'd go against the Father and say that it's okay to be gay. Mm-mm. I cannot believe that. But that's, that's where they're going right now. He said, Lazarus, come out. It's just wrong. There was a... There's just, I don't know why they do it. They're adding their own interpretation to the Bible. Did it, the Pharisees did it here. Mankind is still doing it, and mankind will always do it. There are going to be folks in this world that are going to misinterpret or they're going to add to or take away from the Bible to make it fit their life so that they feel like they're doing right. The Bible tells us to not do that. We cannot add or take away from the Word of God because that, is inspired by God. My Bible is inspired by God. When you start taking, adding, or subtracting from it, you're adding, subtracting from the Word of God. You're taking away from God. And we're not supposed to be doing that. There was a, I got a little story I got to tell you, because it 
goes right along with this. There was a man that was shipwrecked one time. And this is actually a true story. Shipwrecked one time on an unknown island. No clue where he's at. He was the only survivor. Floated up on this little island. And to his surprise, he found that he wasn't alone once he got there. There was some, a tribe there, a large tribe of people in, that shared that island with him. So to his pleasure, he discovered that they treated him very well. They placed him on a throne and they catered to his every single desire, everything he wanted. He was delighted, but he was perplexed. Why such the royal treatment? As his ability to communicate increased, he discovered that the tribal custom was to choose a king for a year. Then when his term was finished, he would be transported to a particular island and abandoned. Delight was now replaced with distress. Then he hit on a shrewd plan. It's kind of like this undressed steward here. Over the next months, he sent members of the tribe to clear and till the other island. He had them build a beautiful house, furnish it, and plant crops. He sent some chosen friends to live there and wait for him. Then when his time, time of exile came, he was put in place in a place carefully prepared, full of friends, delighted to receive him. He was a smart man. He knew what was getting ready to take place. So he was prepared. He was prepared to go on. We are not heading to a, a deserted island, but we're heading to the Father's house. We're going to a place that's not made by hands. That is, Jesus has told us he's going to prepare a place for us. That's where we're heading to. So when we leave this world, we're not going to a deserted island. We're going to heaven. We're going to be with the Father. The preparations we make here follow us there and in return as our reward. So the preparations that we're making, and I'm, again, I'm talking about getting, reaching out to the lost, being a witness to those, making sure that everybody that we come in contact with knows who Jesus is and has an opportunity to be saved. We're building up those rewards here, on, here to receive when we get there to the Father's house. So how are you doing with your stewardship? We're all stewards. How are you doing with your stewardship? Last thing, and it's another one of those crazy quotes from William Barclay. I cannot believe I'm, I've quoted him twice today, and I can't stand the man. We're called to use material possessions faithfully. So what he has given us, material possessions here on earth, we're to use them faithfully here. Look at verse uh, 10 again. It says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in, in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in, which, in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now what he said, William Barclay said this, what you get in heaven depends on how you use the things on earth. What you will be given as your very own will depend on how you use the things on which you are only a steward. So what he's saying, God blesses us with great things. He gives us talents, skills. And you look, look around this church and you see people with different talents, different skills. We have builders. We have insurance. We have people in government, we have people in Christian organizations, we have people in communications, we have different people, I don't know what you are VJ I don't know where you fall in that whole 
You're way down here. So we have all, all these different people around here. God has blessed us with knowledge. He's given us talents. He's given us skills. And that's great. We need those. But we are to use those to glorify Him and to build up His kingdom. That's what, that's what this Barclay feller's talking about. What matters is when we, we get these skills, when we receive these talents here on earth, that we use them in a great way. Glorify God, build up His kingdom. And once we're done here on earth, when it's our time to go on home, once we die, we get to heaven, we will receive our rewards for what we used those skills for here on earth. I, I believe. I believe that as long as you're using it to glorify Him, we're going to be richly blessed. I believe we'll be blessed on earth, too, for using those skills and talents that He's given us. But we've got to use them for Him. And glorify Him. Stand with me. We're going to close out. Don't egg me when we leave here for quoting Barclay because I, I don't particularly care for the man. But he had, he's pretty smart, and he said some smart things. All right, if y'all just uh, pray for us this week, pray for Maria this Thursday morning as, as she goes in to pray that Chick-fil-A has one gallon of sweet tea available Thursday at some point because that's I'm going to after he pops out I'm going to go get her some sweet tea I'm going to have it as soon as he comes out I'm going to have it just right by her side so she can sip on it but uh, just pray if thing goes well he's he's doing good he's tracking well and she's doing good went Friday to the doctor and and everybody's doing well he's growing they're He's probably close to seven and a half-ish pounds, something like that, and doing somersaults, they said. So I've just been, been prayer for her this week. And I, and I appreciate y'all calling. I know a lot of y'all been checking on us the past few weeks and checking on me this week. I had a, a really bad infection that uh, it took several rounds of antibiotics to get cleared out, but I feel so much better right now than I did last Sunday. So I appreciate y'all checking on me. Doing good. Conley, you dismiss us, please. Father, thank you for the things you've given us, Lord. God, we pray that we use them for your glory and your honor. Bless the church. Continue to go with us. Forgive us when we fail. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we'll see you all later.